Hello and welcome back to the second episode of the Utility Man podcast. I'm your host Bryce Atchie and today we'll be talking about the first few days of the NBA free agency, some big names moving around and re-signing. We'll touch on that. We'll talk about Kumar Rocker not signing with the Mets, the reasons behind it and where he could go from here. And I visited the Daytona International Speedway in Daytona Beach, Florida this past week. I will talk about my experience there and what went down. Hello, welcome to the Utility Man podcast. We're back again to discuss some more sports and whatever else happens along the way. This is the second episode of this podcast. The other one is out on most major podcasting platforms. You can find it in this show. So the main thing we'll be talking about today is the first few days of NBA free agency. There were some big names moved with... uh, I mean, uh, they're coming to new places, including Lonzo Ball, Kyle Lowry, Alex Caruso, Daniel Tice, just to name a few. There were some sign-in trades and extensions, and we're going to discuss some of that now. So we'll start with some of the extensions and uh, resi- not resigning, resigns that were made. Trey Young back to the Atlanta Hawks with a max deal, big, big, big deal, with a big resign there. He... Trying to find the money details on that, but he is going back. He will be a Haw- he will be an Atlanta Hawk for a long, long time, and I'm sure that was the main focus of that deal. After he led the Hawks to the Eastern Conference Finals this year, where they fell to the advan- to the eventual champion Milwaukee Bucks, and um, Trey Young, he was a really, really special player. He is um, has a great personality, really, a really unique player, great shooter. He can drive inside, has a really nice floater. He can kind of get over the big guys. Um, he hasn't really had the pieces to play with that some of the other young guys have in the NBA, but um, he is a very, very, really good player. And uh, the Sun, the um, not the Suns, the Hawks will have him around for the next few years. Hopefully, uh, I can find this uh, extension details. Wow, I can't seem to pull it up. I will come back to that in just a little bit to see if I can get those details pulled up. The next one is Shea Gilgis-Alexander goes back to the Oklahoma City Thunder on a rookie max extension deal. I believe that one is six years. Uh, I'll admit to you guys, I haven't seen Shea Gilgis-Alexander play very much. I, I, I haven't watched the Thunder too much. It's been a long time, well, not really a long time, but since since Westbrook and Paul George were there, I really haven't seen much of the Thunder. I mean, unless they've been they've played one of the teams I like to watch, I have not really seen them. So, uh, you guys might have to tell me if this if this kid is uh, really worth it. I mean, the he seems to be a piece that uh, the Thunder are going to build around for the next few years, and um, he looks okay. I mean, I just looking at the stats and stuff, he had a pretty good year, pretty good year last year. Not uh, not good enough to get the to get the Thunder toward the playoffs, but he was. Uh, a good piece, a very very good piece for them. And if that's the guy they want to build around, then they really gotta start getting some role players because they're in a little bit of a dead zone right now after some of the other guys in their team left, like uh, Westbrook and Chris Paul, Al Horford. Uh, I believe they're gonna have Kemba Walker on that team now after the trade in the beginning of the off season, and so that could be a good good piece for those for this uh, the Thunder to have a little bit of a comeback here. So. Gilgis Alexander and Trey Young with extensions. Chris Paul going back to the uh, Phoenix Suns, uh, the Western Conference champion from this year. Chris Paul goes back 
four years, $120 million, which is about $30 million a year, if you're doing the math at home. He was a core, core piece to that team, along with Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and a few others. He was, I believe he led the team in assists, very, very good mid-range shooter. He, uh, he pretty much hit the shot from anywhere. Decent three-point shooter inside, very good. He can make the difficult passes, which not uh, not very many on the other team on uh, anyone else on his team can. He's a very very good player, even at 36. I'm not sh the only the only thing about this contract that leaves a bit of a question mark is uh, what's going to happen at the end of this contract because Chris Paul will be 40 by the time this contract is up. Uh, I'm expecting retirement. But after this contract is over, he, uh, I doubt I. It's hard to doubt Chris Paul, but he. I really doubt that he'll still be the effective player that he is right now at the end of this contract at age forty. I really don't see how that's possible. But I mean, he could do it. Just I. He could prove me wrong. I don't. I don't see why he couldn't. But this is a a player who's had a few injuries. He's had some costly injuries. Look at the. Houston Rockets against the Warriors, I believe, in 2017 or 18. I can't remember. It was one of those years with James Harden. But he was hurt in that Western Conference Finals when the Rockets arguably had a better team than the Warriors that year. And it's cost him. So later in his career, he has had some costly injuries. So I'm not sure how that end of the contract is going to hold up. Uh, back to the or just uh, the first move, really, of the Miami Heat. This uh, few first few days, they've, had a, <laughs> they've been pretty busy. Was uh, getting Jimmy Butler to a max extension, which will keep him with the Heat for the next six years, I believe. I don't know the money, but a big deal for Jimmy Butler, max extension. Very, very good player. Gets hurt a little bit. Can shoot the three, can shoot the mid-range, can drive inside. Very complete. He's bounced around for a little bit before he went to Miami, and he's stayed in Miami for the last few years. He was with the 76ers. He was with the Timberwolves. He was with the Bulls. He's, uh, he's had quite a career up to this point. But uh, got the Heat to the NBA Finals in 2020, where they eventually lost to LeBron James and Anthony Davis with the Lakers. But that was even that in 2020 was a team where not very many people expected them to go very far. They upset the Boston Celtics that year with help from uh, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo as well. Uh, Butler is a is a piece that the Heat will continue building around and is a very very good player. I and no doubt he is. Very, very, just a solid all-around player. He plays good defense as well. I forgot to mention that, but his uh, steals are usually very, very high on his team. So that's a very good move for the Heat, uh, just to, to pair well with the other moves that they have made so far in this free agency. Uh, the next uh, few moves that we we're talking about are the ones that the New York Knicks made. They um, they kept... Uh, Trey Burks, they got, they kept Nerlens Noel, and they re-signed Derrick Rose. All three were very important pieces of the Knicks team last year that uh, really, um, really jumped the, jumped the page on a few people. People weren't expecting the Knicks to, uh, to be very good this year. I mean, this is, it was, it was viewed as more of a transition year for the New York Knicks. They were, um, they did, they had just, uh, they had just been in the lottery, I believe. I, I think they drafted, they drafted R.J. Barrett the year before. Who he was in the big draft class with Zion Williamson and uh, John Morant, a few of those other guys, but I don't think they they haven't not been very good since Carmelo Anthony left, really. And I guess you could blame James Dolan. I guess you can't. Whatever you Knicks fans out there can 
tell me why that, but these are some good moves for the New York Knicks. I would I applaud them for this because bringing back a really core part of the team that overachieved last year, just uh, keeping the, the holes greater than the sum of the parts deal is will work. I mean, in other sports it works, in basketball it works when you keep your when you keep when you can keep a good team together and keep competing for a few years while adding while uh, having pieces like Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett and Mitchell Robinson to uh, to build around. Um, good moves for them. There was also Cameron Payne went back to the Phoenix Suns three year contract. I think it's around around thirty million. I don't know the money, but around there. Good move for good move for Phoenix. He's a very very good bench point guard. Scores a little bit. Gives a very good at sharing the ball. Defense is good. He's a little bit undersized, but not very much, not much different than other people at his position. Uh, helped. Us, it was a very important part of the Suns getting to the NBA Finals this year, and is um, a small part of why I believe they're the favorite going into the going into next season. I they may, they may not be viewed as the favorite with um, the the general public. That would be the Milwaukee Bucks, but I do believe that um, oh the Milwaukee Bucks as well also re-signed PJ Tucker. Two years, twelve million, I believe, but I I don't I don't believe the Bucks are the favorite. I view it as the Phoenix Suns, coming off this big re-sign uh, re of Chris Paul, and with essentially their entire team coming back next year as well. They also added Javale McGee to play center behind DeAndre Ayton. So I I really like the Suns team. I think they have a great chance to go and win the title next year. Um, their only their their good competition could be the Lakers. I mean, if uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis can stay healthy with this new addition of Russell Westbrook. I talked on the podcast a few days ago about how, really how I don't like this move for Russell Westbrook. You can go listen to my opinion on that. But uh, I believe the Suns are the favorite right now. Also, another moves, Duncan Robinson went back to the Heat. Uh, Duncan Robinson, man, he, he can shoot. He is the... he, he if, Man, he, if, if you put him in a three-point contest, he could very well hit like 70-80% of those shots because he is just unbelievable. I watched the NBA Finals in 2020. There were just times where he would steal a game for the Heat because he could just hit the three-pointers that no one else could. And it was really, really crazy because you can't, you can't guard it. The pick and roll, guy coming off the pick and gets a, gets a decent three, a little bit of a runner, and he would knock it down almost every time. It was a just a really great play that the Heat had going for them, and now that they'll have it going for the next, uh, I believe, five or six years with Duncan Robinson, $90 million, that'll pay him. Wow, what a good deal for the Heat. And Mike Conley, as well, goes back to the Utah Jazz. The Jazz were the were the top seed in the uh, Western Conference this year. Uh, the LA Clippers beat them in a, game, in a series that went seven games. Playoff P showed up in that one when he had not, when he had not before. So, I mean, you can't do, you can't really do anything about that when the other team's star players beat yours. Donovan Mitchell was also hurt for them in that series, but Mike Conley coming back is going to be a big part of that, as well as uh, Rudy Gobert and uh, the the core of those teams will come back next year, and they'll have a, I believe they have a good chance to to win next year with the uh, up there with the Heat with the Heat and the. The Suns and the Lakers, I believe they have a good shot. And Mike Conley was a really, really nice point guard for them. He can shoot three well, plays defense, uh, really good at spreading the ball to the shooters they have and Rudy Gobert inside. So uh, he came over from the Grizzlies 
to play with the uh, play with the Jazz before this before last season. Very good player for them. So now we go on to the free agents that moved to a different place, and we're gonna start off with the Chicago Bulls because they they made a splash in free agency. They had a sign and trade with Lonzo Ball, the former number two pick from 2017, and um, very very good Lonzo Ball, and I mean, I think he's famous for his odd shooting motion, but it'll, it'll get it done. He's very good passer. He can play defense, throws the lob very well. I don't know if the Bulls have a big man. Again, another one of the teams that I don't watch on TV very often, but the they do have uh, Laurie Markkinen. They have Zach Levine, a few good guys they can build around with Lonzo Ball, and this next guy we'll talk about here after this, but uh, Lonzo, sign and trade details it was Lonzo Ball for Thomas Sanaransky, Garrett Temple, and a second-round pick going the Pelicans' way, I believe. And Lonzo Ball will really help that team. It depends on uh, how well he can share the ball with some uh, with uh, Zach Levine. They'll really have a very, very good uh, backcourt there. Uh, the next move the Bulls made was um, Alex, Alex Caruso from the Lakers. He got $37 million, I believe, for three or four years. I can't remember off the top of my head, but... Uh, a good, very, very good move for them. Uh, Caruso was a good shooter for the Lakers, defensive specialist. He was a very, very core part of them winning the 2020 championship. He was, I think, the backup uh, two-guard for them this year. Could he? Yeah, that's another thing about Caruso. Can play a few different positions. He can play the play point. He can play the... He can play the two. He can play even even small forward if you can put him there. So uh, the first like first three spots there in the on a basketball lineup, he is capable of playing. Uh, he's his defense is what kept him on the Lakers. Though he was a very very good defensive player, good steals. Uh, could uh, could really cover your the other teams one of their top players when uh when the when some of your stars were on the bench like LeBron James and Anthony Davis when they were on the bench he would guard the other team's top guys and. Uh, yeah, I really like this move. I mean, Caruso would probably play the three. If he didn't, he would play back up to Levine. So I don't know how the Bucks, how, not the Bucks, how the Bulls would fit him in. But I, I like the move. I, I like Caruso. Well, no, I don't like the move, but I like, I like Caruso. I like the guy. It's how they're gonna fit him in. That it's gonna be interesting. So if they can fit him in, this is a great move. If they can't, then I don't really see why they made it. So yeah, Caruso. Um, to the Bulls, as well as Lonzo Ball. Kyle Lowry to the Heat. Another uh, another move by the Heat, who we talked about Jimmy Butler earlier and uh, Duncan Robinson. Kyle Lowry coming from up north, coming down to the south to play with the Miami Heat. He is, I believe, signed for five years, $90 million is the contract. I don't know if I have the millions right, but I think it's five years. Lowry was a core part of the Raptors winning the 2019, uh, was it was either 18 or 19. I can't, I don't know if I got the years right, but they definitely, he was the, um, he was a very good, a really integral part of them winning that championship. Him and Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Gasol, a few of those guys up in Toronto, bringing them their first ever NBA championship a few years back. He was a, a very, very good shooting point guard. He can get, shoot the three well. He's a good. He very good at spreading the ball around. Can uh, shoot pretty much anywhere on the court. His defense is about average. You don't hear too much about it, but it's uh, it's all right. Um, 
Lowry is going to be an okay fit with the with the Heat. Uh, I assume if Butler and Bam Bam Adebayo are your three and five, uh, and Duncan Robinson plays at your two or four, then you could put Lowry at the one. I don't know what you do with Goran Dragic. They might uh, they might let him go or trade him to get free up some cap space to keep some of those guys. But I uh, I assume Lowry will be your starting starting point guard. Uh, the next move on here are the L.A. Lakers. The moves they made. I I like a few of them, and I don't really agree with a few of them. So, Dwight Howard and Wayne Ellington and, I believe, uh, Trevor Ariza are the big three that are going back to the Lakers. All three of them have played with the Lakers before. Dwight Howard was there in tw- as recently as 2020. I believe Trevor Ariza was there to start his career very early. I don't... I don't know when that was. I think that was when, about the time when Kobe was there. I don't, can't remember what year it was, but he definitely was there. Wayne Ellington uh, in the mid-2010s was about, was there in those, like, mediocre teams in the, uh, about the middle of when Kobe was there, when Kobe retired and when LeBron got there. So, uh, Ellington was recently with either, I think it was, was he the Dallas? I I can't remember. Ellington was some. It was he's a. I think he plays the three. He's a good shooter. Uh, which is probably what LeBron needs after getting Russell Westbrook, who can't shoot at all. So they loaded up him and Ariza, both great shooters. I think Ariza was with um, uh, with the Heat, I believe, most recently. Maybe the he was with the Rockets very recently. I know that. As recently as twenty seventeen or eighteen, he was what he was with the Rockets. I. Ariza is definitely a guy who can shoot. He's done that pretty much his whole career. So Ariza and Ellington you bring in to shoot. Dwight Howard, defensive specialist. He can uh, catch a he can catch a lob or two, play inside, but he is on that team to get rebounds and blocks. Uh, Howard will most likely come off the bench and play back up to Marcus Saul or Anthony Davis. And uh, he, his job will just be to hold down that paint area. That will be his role, just like it was the first two times he was with the Lakers. So I don't know what's too different about that signing. I mean, the Lakers are going to have a lot of centers. And most of them do the same thing. I mean, Gasol can shoot a little bit. He can give, If you get a wide-open shot, Gasol can shoot it. He can shoot a mid-range okay. He has a nice floater. But he plays defense and he blocks. So does Andre Drummond. Oh, wait. So does Dwight Howard. I mean, I... I don't really know how that fits, but eh, if it if it works, it works. Um, that will do it for our NBA free agent talk. There will I think this podcast will drop on Wednesday, so I'm recording this on a Tuesday night. So there may be some more uh, some more moves that come out after this. So if I didn't cover them, that's probably why. Now we're going to move on to Kumar Rocker not signing with the New York Mets. The He was the number 10 overall pick in this year's NBA draft. The Mets did not sign him because of an arm injury that they found with Rocker. He was a very, very, uh, very, very good pitcher at uh, Vanderbilt. He was 28 and 10, gave up .38 home runs per nine, and... Our, stati- our statistician, Brett Kelly, little shout-out to him, says that is the same as Pedro Martinez in his, 2009, in his 1999 Cy Young campaign, really legendary. There, Rocker threw a no-hitter against Duke in the 2019 regional, uh, regional championships. 
which really put him on the map as a MLB draft pick. And uh, really good K to walk ratio, 4.72, uh, which would rank top three all time in the major leagues. Um, really great, uh, really great. He could be a reliever, according to our statistician. So I don't know. I, I'll trust you on that, Brett, but I have not, I'm not sure here. He is a very, very, just a really consistent, he isn't, he's been consistent. He's been at the top of that Vanderbilt rotation with Jack Leiter for the past few years. He was a junior this year. So I, uh, he was a junior this year. So technically he could go back to Vanderbilt for his senior year, but Jeff Passan reports for ESPN that he is not planning to go back to Vanderbilt. So if he is not going back to Vanderbilt, he probably will find, he'll probably either enter the 2022 MLB draft and the teams can pick him, pick him there, or he can find in like an international league to play because, um, now that he has not been signed by his MLB team, no one can sign. I don't think anyone can sign him, but he, is not going back to Duke, so he has to he either finds somewhere to play or does not play this year and enters the draft next year. Maybe loses a little bit of the of the shine he had this year. But um Yeah, that's uh about what you got there for Kumar Rocker. He was uh not more some more some more uh, breakdown stats on him. Two point eight nine ERA, three hundred and twenty one strikeouts to sixty eight walks. Uh whip of one and um, ten only ten home runs given up in two hundred thirty six point two innings, and uh, some really good offensive help. His uh, team gave up one run every nineteen innings, or about every two games. I mean, that's okay. And uh, Rocker, good pitcher. He's he was he was in the conversation to be a number one pick as uh, a few very recently actually, and then in the most recent college baseball season. His, uh, they noticed a velocity drop for Kuma Rocker, and that's what dropped him down to 10 in the MLB draft. He was considered better, if not the same, as Jack Leiter, who went number two to the Texas Rangers. And uh, Rocker has, um, yeah, he'll figure out what he will do, and I assume he will be picked in next year's draft. So... Thank, again, thanks to Brett Kelly for the uh, information on Kumar Rocker. Maybe seeing him on the show soon as a result of that. Now, and the last thing on this on this uh, this podcast, we'll be talking about what I uh, what I thought of the Daytona International Speedway in Daytona Beach, Florida. So I just visited for the first time a few days ago, and I thought this place was amazing. It's a great facility for all racing fans. I mean, you see all the you could see everything when the tour, the tour, when our tour guide was great as well. Shout out to our tour guide. He was really good at what he does. Um, the, we, the, we, we were put, we were brought under the, under the, under term one and for through a tunnel, great view of the track through the infield and, uh, some good views of the infield road course as well through the horseshoe and inner loop. Some nice views there. Um, we we're brought onto the back straightaway, which I never knew had banking. If no one knew the back straightaway at Daytona International Speedway, three degrees of banking. Not much, but it's still still a number. Uh, into three and four, which uh, 31 degrees of banking. It's unbelievable. You're If you're on the apron of the track where there's no banking at all, it's flat. The, the top of the fence will be three stories above you. It's unbelievable how high it is. You can barely even walk up it. You can barely bounce. And uh, 
the tour took us to the front straightaway and the front the start finish line and the flag stand. We are allowed to walk up the 18 degree banking in the trioval, which gave you a great view of Victory Lane and Pit Road, and pretty much uh, pretty much the whole whole track from there had a great great view. Uh, some got some good pictures up there by the start finish line, and touch the touch the asphalt as well. The asphalt there, it's rough. I don't know if every NASCAR track is like that, or maybe it's just just all rough. But I like to see Atlanta now compared to that. Well, not Atlanta because it's repaving it, but like a Darlington compared to that because tires don't really wear out there, but it's still pretty 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 rough as asphalt. And uh, they took us through the to the front gate, where um. The you don't really realize how big the grandstands are until you're standing in them or you're like looking at them from the outside. It's unbelievable. A hundred ten thousand people can fit in those grandstands, and they probably can fit in more for the Daytona Five Hundred in February. But we were allowed to stand up there, get a good view, look over the whole track. It was a really nice um, experience. We got to see. Uh, we got, we're really judging out what seats were good for the Daytona 500 in February, which I may be attending. Not sure on that, but the, uh, there were very good views of three and four. You can see most of it blocked a little by the Daytona 500 club and some of the scoreboards, but, uh, you can always, you can see the front straightaway really nicely. Uh, it's hard to see the backstretch because, you know, it's like a few miles off the, other end of the racetrack, but um, also great views of uh, the lake in the middle, like the Lake Lloyd, Lake Lloyd. The name, the name was uh, uh, escaping me, but we uh, there's some just a great, a great uh, experience there. And for anyone who has not gone, I would really suggest it. That's a really, really great place to go. And finally, they took us into the Motorsports Hall of Fame of America where you saw the Harley J. Earl Trophy for the winner of the Daytona 500, with names on it that go back to the first time that race was run, in, I believe, 1959, which was Lee Petty was the winner of that race. And um, the car of Michael McDowell, this year's winner of the Daytona 500, is on display there, just how they took it out of Victory Lane with the tape on it and everything. It's uh, very, very cool, some of the stuff they have in there. It's... I would, again, suggest this to anybody who has not gone. It's uh, who's a racing fan or not a racing fan. This place is just a a great experience for everybody. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that that visit. And I, will, I hope to return for the Daytona 500 in February of next year. That will do it for this week's podcast of the Utility Man podcast. Please uh, subscribe, follow, leave a rating and review. And uh, we will see you next time. Uh, hopefully on Sunday. So enjoy your enjoy the rest of your week, everybody.